So Merry Christmas and welcome to the final episode in 2023 with the Expert Edge. I trust whether you've been with me for a whole year uh, or three years, three years, which we've been running for, or if you're a new listener, I trust you're going to find so much value from today. In fact, I'm so glad that this is the last episode 2023 because it's going to finish on such a positive note. I've got one of my really, really good friends. Her name's Nick Pigeon. She's an award-winning psychologist and her focus is on positive psychology. And that idea is more and more becoming something that is understood, but I think it's really well applied. And this podcast, we break down really practical ways about how you can apply positive psychology. So if you've ever, you know, struggled with a bad mood, if you've struggled with uh, anxiety, struggled with um, getting clarity in your life. We go through a whole bunch of tactical exercises for you to find that, which is why I think this is such a good episode to finish on in 2023. And whenever you're listening to it, it to be honest, it doesn't matter because I think this episode is going to be phenomenal uh, for you understanding that. In fact, we do an exercise. I want you to get ready for this. We literally, Nick takes me through a visualization exercise that you can do live with me on the podcast. So I think you're going to get so much from this. Uh, Like I said, Nick Pigeon, she is a phenomenal communicator. One of my favorite episodes of 2023. So let's get into it. The Art of Positive Psychology with Nick Pigeon. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Nick Pigeon, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. I know we've uh, built a great friendship as a part of a peer mastermind that we've been been involved in. And uh, it's really been cool to get to know you. I um, had seen some of your stuff uh, a few years ago and, uh, you know, to be able to build a friendship with you and to get a bit of a look inside your world and your business has been great. So I think the listeners are going to learn so much from you from psychology perspective, from business building perspective. I think they're just going to love you. And uh, you've also got an accent. So can you introduce yourself in terms of like, what do you do? But but tell me about like a little bit about your journey. So the audience gets to know you a bit more and, and, and connects with you in that way. You know, I was thinking exactly the same as you were speaking. I said, it's nice that you've got an accent and hopefully they're going to understand me. So I'm originally from a place in the UK called Newcastle. So that's in the north of the country, probably an hour south of Scotland. But I now live in America, as you know. So I live in Los Angeles and I've been here for eight and a half years. I left the UK for three months to write my first book that you can see here for those of you that can see behind me. And I never went home. So I'm still on that three month trip nine years later. (laughs) So you, you came to the US to write a book. And then like, how did, what was that journey like? Like what happened then? Tell me more. Well, I mean, I love the sunshine and Newcastle's Mm. pretty gray. So I thought I'm going to go and be inspired and I'm going to be in the sunshine instead of the rain. And 
that just really got me out of my comfort zone. I'd been working, I'd been doing coaching at the time. I've been coaching for 13 years now. And I was also working as a personal trainer. I was running events. So I was standing up and speaking and teaching positive psychology and entrepreneurship in my local library or in my local coffee shop to anyone that would listen. But I'd got myself <laughs> into a into a pattern, I guess, of running my life in a certain way. And I felt really stuck because I loved what I was doing, but it wasn't working because it wasn't making me the the money or creating the success that I really wanted. So I knew for me, I needed like a big leap. Mm. So leaving the country was that big leap where I sold my car. I moved out of my apartment. I packed up my suitcase. And I remember my dad saying to me at the airport, why have you got that bag of rocks, Nicola? <laughs> and it was a bag of crystals that I was taking with me on the way. So I feel like it was, I also remember calling him, actually calling him and saying, dad, I'm scared. I was sat in the departure yeah. lounge. I was like, I'm scared. And he said, you know, Nick, if it doesn't work out, you can always come home. Oh, that's lovely. That's so cool. And your, your focus is positive psychology. I know you run your own coaching business. It, it, you know, you've built it to a multi-million dollar level and seeing massive impact with people. Uh, talk to us about how you got into positive psych and why that became a thing. Yeah, so I remember at university, I was supposed to study mechanical and automotive engineering, and that was going to be my Oh, plan. Nick, you missed your calling. I know, You should right? have been a mechanical engineer. <laughs> I just can't imagine doing that right now, like how obsessed I, can't, I yeah. am, right? <laughs> I love cars, but for right. fun, like I love I just went to the Formula One for the first time and it was amazing, but I didn't want to be working on them. Yeah. So, like being a psychologist now, it's so fulfilling because I'm obsessed with philosophy and how we think and human behavior. But that wasn't my career path back at that time. So, I got into psychology first of all before positive psychology. And the reason that I got into psychology was because my ex-boyfriend that I was with for 10 years was a professional cricket player. And he was seeing a sports psychologist that said to him, when you're on the field and you've got the bat in your hand, don't look at the fielders around you. Look for the gaps in between them instead. So I was like, oh, my goodness, this applies to life and not just to sport. Mm -hmm why are we always focused on the problems and what goes wrong instead of what might go right or the opportunities? So I cancelled my degrees and I decided instead of studying engineering, I was going to study psychology with sport. And then when I was in that university program, one day I walked past a notice board because I'm old, you know, I'm 36. So we had notice boards back then. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this poster on the notice board that said, after hours lecture, guest professor coming in to teach. And it was about this thing called positive psychology. So as a teenager, I saw it and I said, I'm going to go to that. So I stayed behind after class. And again, I had one of those light bulb moments where I thought to myself, what is this? She was talking about gratitude and she was talking about performance and she was talking about human strength and virtue. And I knew then that that was going to be my career path. So I think what I've done really well is listen and really trust that intuitive hit mm. inside of me 
that takes me on a path, even though everyone thought I was completely crazy at the time. <laughs> what what is so funny when you told that story, what came up for me was um, I remember my first job out of university, I was working in marketing and that was kind of the career I was going down. I had a degree in marketing. And I remember we went to a conference that my, my company hosted and someone came in and ran like a brainstorming session. They were a facilitator. And I remember looking at them and thinking, oh my gosh, like what are they doing? You know, I was like, I had this like almost that similar sense that was what came up for me of like this sense of like almost like a calling of going, that's what I wanted to. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even have a language around it. I was like, I, but I just had this sense of like, that's what I want to do. And, but you've gone after it. You've like fully gone after it and created it. You've moved countries similar to me. Not that you have to move countries to do it, but, but it's like, you've, you've actually gone after it. So what, what, just so the audience knows, what is the difference between positive psychology and like the general psychology that someone might study? It's a great question. And there's a common misconception that positive psychology is just about being positive and happy all of the time. <laughs> and it's actually not that. So when it was invented in the year 2000, because it's still pretty new, relatively mm. speaking, it was invented as a counterbalance to psychology as usual, which focuses on disorder and disease and what goes wrong with people instead of what goes right. So the human classification classification of human strength and virtue was invented which looks at character strengths that we all have okay so it's not are you are you good or not good it's not that like kind of black and white fixed mindset anymore it's actually everyone's good at something it's just a different combination for each individual so positive psychology looks at how we as humans as people as communities as businesses can actually flourish and thrive. So we study, it's a science, and we study, we run experiments, and we look at some of the things that you might have heard your grandmother talking about. So kindness, or gratitude, or meditation, or optimism. And rather than just having this kind of ethereal, woo-woo, like version of it, it's okay, so how does it work? Why does it work? And what is the specific way that it works? So we develop exercises and tools and interventions that people can use really simply and really practically to have a better day. Mm. So coming back to your story, you, you saw this positive psych or this kind of you know, lecture and then you, you went to it and then kind of what happened from there? Tell me about like the journey and then to starting your business. Yeah, so I was in the second year of my undergrad degree and I was just starting to decide what I wanted to specialize, specialize right. in my thesis. So I chose a positive psychology topic and I wrote about gratitude within sports relationships between coaches and athletes. And then from there, I decided that I was going to go and do the master's in positive psychology, but I couldn't afford to do that. So something that I've always, if I look back, I've always had the tenacity and the determination to make what I want to happen actually happen. So I took a career detour back in probably 2009, where I went to work abroad and I went to work in the Netherlands 
for one of my friend's parents. He'd noticed a huge, he was very entrepreneurial. He'd noticed a opportunity. And this is so bizarre. Like you're going to be like, this doesn't make any sense. So he had set up a company that bought and sold gold. And he'd taken 20 of us, like all of our friends, we'd taken our cars across on the ferry to Amsterdam and we'd rented an apartment. And every morning we would get 20,000 euros in cash each. And we'd get a little piece of paper with a postcode on it. And it would say, this is the place that you're going to, to have meetings and do business today. So we'd drive sometimes one mile down the road, sometimes 300 miles down the road. And we'd have these meetings where I would buy gold. So I'd buy it at 60 euros a gram and we'd sell it and smelt it at the refinery for 21 euros a gram, making a huge profit, which allowed me to get paid to fund my master's degree. So even though I lived in the Netherlands, I would fly to London once a month for three or four days, study intensively, fly back and work. So I totally believe and know that if you want something enough, you're going to figure out a way to get it. And it might involve taking a detour on the way to the actual bigger goal. How does someone, can you give us some examples of how we would use positive psychology in our life. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about the science is it's really simple. So it's really simple to integrate. And I look at where can you actually double up on the time that you have so that you can stack multiple things together so that you can make the most of it. So an example might be if you're waiting to go into the doctors or the dentist, or you're standing in line at a supermarket, And traditionally, you might say, why is it taking so long? I've been waiting here for ages. And what you can do instead is you could pick up your phone and you could text three people and tell them what you're grateful for about them. Now, that's a gratitude intervention, but it's also made stronger. We know that gratitude is stronger when it's shared. So now you've actually got a strengthening of a positive relationship and a bond in your life. And you get all of the feels and it boosts your well-being as well. So that's one way. There's hundreds of different tools that you can use. And one of the tools that I love is actually a goal-setting tool. So we study what it takes to guarantee that you reach your goals. And what a lot of people do is just set a goal and hope for the best. (laughs) And often we miss the mark. And what happens when you miss your goal? You then feel bad about yourself and you make yourself wrong and you go into a downward spiral instead of feeling motivated. So what positive psychology has determined is that there's six steps to reaching a goal and you have to do the steps in the right order, okay? So the first one is to define the goal in the first place. You've got to know what it is you're reaching for. Second one is you ask yourself, what are all of the different pathways to reach the goal. So not just one perfect way, but it's called divergent thinking. It can feel very hard and we can get stuck when we look for the one perfect way. What's the one perfect way to become a speaker? What's the one perfect way to grow your coaching business? You actually shift into a more creative, positive mindset when you say, what might be 10 really fun ways that I can reach the goal? You then want to ask the third question, which is what are the obstacles that might get in the way? 
so that you can actually think strategically about step number four, which is what are the pathways through the obstacles. So you're starting to get ahead of the game and then it helps you to find more pathways to the goal. Step number five is why is the goal important? So you've probably spoken and heard about meaning and purpose. It's about attaching that meaning and mission to the goal. So you sustain the level of motivation to actually making it happen. And then number six is who do you need to support you to make this goal a reality? So six steps in that order. If you do four steps, it doesn't work as well. If you do them in a different order, it doesn't work as well. So six in that order. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I'm sure the listeners are taking tons of notes where there. I know I I like I, I'm like in my I'm I'm definitely gonna revise that. It's so good. It actually reminds me, because my background's in uh coaching, transformational coaching, and that's where I started out as a life coach. Um, it reminds me of some of the models because I know coaching um was something that fascinated me because it was very focused on, you know, somewhat a positive psychology perspective very much focused on opportunities on way through on goals but still acknowledge the challenges but it was very much focused on moving forward and um it, you could almost use that model that you just shared as a coaching session right like taking your students through it and so forth and i think actually there was something that a previous guest uh, mary morrissey which guys if you haven't heard that session definitely go and take a listen after you hear nick um where she talked about one of the attributes of any mentor that you ever follow or invest in right is to is that that person understands how results are created and because if your mentor doesn't understand how results are created in a human being then they can give you great advice but but it's if they don't understand how they're produced you're not going to get the results that that you truly want and i think that that's something that separates you nick is like really understand like you truly understand how people create results and so i love that in terms of your business talk to us about because you, i know you've started a, a a coaching positive psychology coaching transformational business you coach thousands of people around the world in fact i know you just got off a mastermind call um how has the evolution of your business gone um, from when you first began? What was that like? Um, and then what was some like pivotal moments in building your business? Because uh, I know, once again, we're in a peer mastermind where all of us are running very successful businesses. And so, but I know it doesn't start there. So talk to us about the journey so the listeners have some perspective around what that looked like in building the business, some turning points, et cetera. Mm, for sure. And I, I feel like one of the important things to remember is that it's actually the journey that is the reward. It's not the outcome or the destination mm. that we're trying so hard to get to because you're never going to get there. You're always going to be looking for something more. And I think that mm. frame, once you know it, and that's a psychology thing as well, it's called hedonic adaptation. So it's this idea that we put ourselves on this treadmill and it's like, what's the next goal? Okay, cool. I've got that. What's the next goal? So I think remembering that the process is the reward can help you find <laughs> way more fulfillment along the way. I feel like as well, one of the frames 
for this story or for your journey, if you're listening, is to understand that it's always going to be hard. It's just going to be a different kind of hard. So true. So, yeah, right. So when I first started, the what felt hard for me was having the confidence to make sales. So I'd previously worked in a call center when I was in my teenage years. And I was, it filled me with dread to sell to people. But then when I learned that actually selling a service and I can't sustain my mission and my message if I don't have the money to build a platform where people actually listen to me, then I'm like, right, sales is actually helping people. Sales is all it's doing is helping someone get a result. And it's helping us do great things in the world, create an impact. So that was my first step where I learned really how to sell one-on-one coaching. And I went headfirst into it. I sold, I was working 44 hours a week, maxed out my calendar, fully booked. And I had a lot. How did you do that in the beginning? Did you, were you doing like discovery calls and then it led into a paid thing? Or did you start and just, you did like a ton of free coaching and then it let, like, how did that look at the start for you? I'm curious. So remember when I was speaking in my local library in my local coffee shop, I would do a sign-up sheet for people to register when they came in the room and I would put those emails onto my email list. So when I started to coach more online, I've always had, I've had online businesses for 13 years as well. But when I started to integrate the two things and take my programs and packages online, I had a list of 580 people. Mm. So what I did was, and I looked at where I was already strong, where I already had relationships or connections or things were already working. So I emailed that list of 580 people and I invited them to book in a discovery session with me. Mm-hmm. I also used my social media where I'd been kind of taking people along this journey with me and promoting, I had a nutritional supplement. They were used to seeing me online or promoting the events. I then used the online platform to do more targeted social media, storytelling, and make invitations to get on a call. And then from those booked calls, that's when I sold my first places on one-on-one. And then I did a really good job. I've always been results focused because your students' results are actually your best marketing campaign. So my students Mm -hmm. then referred other people to me and I went from having zero sales to being completely fully booked in I think it was like three months. It was fast. Mm, I love this. So you were doing local presentations about positive psychology at where? At cafes and things? And libraries. <laughs> libraries. And it was so stressful. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but you know what? I just did it. Like everyone's got to start somewhere. And if I hadn't I started, that. I may never have started. I remember one of my mentors early on in my coaching career, she used to tell stories about how she used to run, um, she was like NLP specialist and she would run NLP transformational sessions on her back balcony of her house. And it was like, I think it was free. And there used to be like two people turn up or five or 10 but she was talking about she used to run it like every week and just invite people online to it and stuff. And then she said like about six weeks into it, just randomly, like the director of, of like Mercedes turned up 
and then they loved it. And then she booked like a multi-million dollar contract with Mercedes to do NLP for almost all of their dealerships around Australia. And I was like, I mean, how cool is that? It's just that commitment to show up for your audience and obviously to get past, get over yourself mm. um, and actually do it. How do you... How do you move into that space? Like what sort of, and I know obviously I talk a lot, a lot about speaking and you, you do a lot of speaking and teach speaking as well. How do you move into a place of getting over your fear when you're going to do something that's scary, like running an event or speaking? Like what are some mental strategies that you personally like and use to get you into a good place? Yeah, the first thing is really powerfully connecting in with what the mission is. So remembering that it's not about you, it's actually about helping those people that are in the audience. And I think when you take the attention off yourself and you realize like, actually, this is not about me doing a performance or anything like that. <laughs> I just want to be able to help one person. So just like you said, the person from Mercedes, like that was the one person on that day that it really landed with. Mm. For me, I remember, and I'll be super honest, like I didn't always have my emotional state down before an event. I sat in the rain in Newcastle in the parking lot of the library crying because I had <laughs> 35 people that said they were going to come to an event. And I could see that there was only nine people that were showing up that were in the room. And I could see through the windows. So I really had to get a handle on myself, go in, show up. And there was someone in that room that said to me, Nick, I've got an interview with British Airways to become cabin crew next week. And I wouldn't have been able to show up in the interview and answer and ask questions if I hadn't have practiced here asking you. So you never know how it's going to mm. help someone. It might not be in the way that you think, but it's always guaranteed that it's going to make a difference. So you have to focus on that thing first. The other thing is, and this has worked across the board, whether it's been for a speaker or I have some students whose um, children are like really um, great at gymnastics. So they're going into these huge competitions and there's a lot of anxiety or a lot of worry coming up. So we give them a, a meditation or a, a process where they can close their eyes and they can actually visualize their best possible self. So I'll do that as a meditation for myself before I go on stage. And when I say before I go on stage, it might- What does that look like? Like, can you take me through and the listeners like an example of that visualizing your best possible self? Yes, absolutely. So, and it can be done now if you're going on stage next year, or it can be done now if you're going on stage tonight. So you would just close your eyes and you would drop into connect with yourself and your body and take mm. a few deep breaths. Breathe I'm going to do it. Why don't you run us through it? I'll go, run go you for through it. it. Okay, perfect. Do it. Let's do it. So pop your feet flat on the floor. Usually put your hands facing upwards in your lap, which is the receiving position, mm. and just close down your eyes. And we'll take three long, deep breaths together, breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. Inhaling deeply and exhaling completely. 
and keeping your eyes closed. Casting your mind and your heart forwards to a time where everything has gone as well as it possibly could. And you see yourself, maybe it's a big stage or an event that you're speaking at. You feel yourself, you see yourself stepping out onto that stage, looking out at the audience. What is it that you are seeing? What is it you are hearing? And how is it you feel when everything has gone as well as it possibly could? What sounds are you noticing? Who is it that's with you? Where are you? What are you seeing? And how do you feel? When everything has gone as well as it possibly could, what is it that you are doing? What is it you are wearing? How do you feel? And just tune in to that feeling inside of you. Noticing exactly what's coming up for you, where you feel the energy in your body when everything has gone as well as it possibly could. And just making that feeling bigger and brighter and stronger inside of yourself. And feeling the feeling of gratitude for you having shown up, done your best possible job as your best possible self. And with that feeling inside of you, just opening up your eyes, coming back into the room. And then what I would invite you to do is to take a couple of minutes to actually journal what came through for you and write it as a gratitude letter from your future self when everything has gone as well as it possibly could. So I did this recently for a 300 person event that I led in London, where I scripted out a best possible self. And it was, I'm so happy and grateful to be sitting on a flight from London to Newcastle with a glass of champagne, celebrating having created a huge impact today in the room. And it went on and on and on and on. And I folded it up and I got it out every day and I read it. And then when I was on the plane with two of my students flying back from London to Newcastle, I read it out to them and everyone was in tears because it was exactly what had happened on the day. Oh, that is so cool. Um, that was such a powerful what came know, visualization. So for me, I mean, I, I visualized myself walking onto a stage. I had like my jeans on, my, I had like a certain blue t-shirt on. I mean, I just love connecting with people. And so for me, it was more, you know, I was visualizing the speaking side of things, but it was more just looking into the audience's eyes. My wife was there um, as well in the audience. And then at the end, I'm like hugging people, like physically hugging people. And I could just feel that sense of connection and love um, and just being present for them. Uh, that's what came, that came through for me was that, that that experience so uh and it was more just the you know that feeling of yeah that feeling of connection and um love and presence and contribution that's what was coming mm -hmm. through and i love that so. because that's also an indicator and we can ask a follow-up question which is what did you notice about the experience of your visualization specifically so you notice connection 
then I might ask as a positive psychologist or a coach, where do you notice that your values have come through the visualization experience? And you might say, well, one of my core values is connection. And then I might ask as a follow-up, how can you create more experiences intentionally where you get to live into that value of connection? So you start to build a business that is values driven and you get to enjoy it so much more. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Holy camoly. Um, how, what does a values driven business look like for someone? Because we have a lot of coaches, course creators, and a lot of them are doing online things um, and online courses and so forth. But beyond the exteriors and the technicalities of all that sort of stuff, what does it mean even for you? Like, could you share some examples of things that you've, you know, integrated or worked on based on what your values are into your business? Because you run a very similar style business as well to what a lot of people want to run and we run together. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like how far do you want to take it? Because you can do a value statement and you can say, this is what we're a stand for. And we have the company vision and values. And it's like this company believes in these things. This company mm -hmm. believes in these things. And you could very easily put that into a Google Drive folder and look at it in three years time. <laughs> totally. I like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, do you, how much do you really live by those values? So I take it to a level where anytime I'm designing a marketing campaign, I'm actually considering what my core values are and I'm looking at how can I actually build the marketing campaign based on these things. So I remember a few years ago, I did a sales training that looked at three of my core values of growth, connection and generosity. And I thought about marketing and I thought about, okay, if you were taking the my core value of connection and you're thinking about that in terms of marketing, how can you teach building more connection with your customers and what would you teach? So then I'm looking at the copywriting or I'm looking at how we can build a bridge between the offer and social media, for an example. So I actually integrate it through everything that I do. We use it in decision-making processes. So, okay, if we're looking at um, health is another core value of mine. So if I'm looking at health, then I get invited to speak on 10 different stages in a month. That might satisfy my value of growth, but does it distract or impact or diminish the value of health? And how can I make a decision based on these things? So it actually provides a frame and almost like a, a guiding roadmap or system that you can follow as well. Mm. And so do you feel like your values have evolved over the years or not so much? Yes and no. I feel like as you navigate challenges in life and in business, different things become important for you. Mm. So when I was in my 20s, I probably would have focused much more on growth and on fun, which are both core values of mine. In my 30s, I've definitely valued personal peace a lot more. Hmm. So that has been something Same. if it's going to disrupt my peace, I'm not going to do it. And that goes for everything, where I live, what my home environment's like, the relationships that I choose. So I feel like as you mature, things will naturally evolve 
and growth is still my number one. Now, growth doesn't just mean money. Growth might mean going to do plant medicine work or growth might mean going through the hard stuff and looking for the lessons and blessings within it. <laughs> so good. Um, what are you excited about at the moment? In super your life, in your business, yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for, I'm writing a new book at the minute, which feels really important for the world. So we've got a mental health positive psychology book that's coming out, which will be my second in a three-part series of books. Oh, tell us about the first two. So, well, the first one is Now Is Your Chance, which is a positive psychology guide for happiness. And it's a 30-day step-by-step plan that you can either use in order and go all the way through it. A lot of people use it for book clubs and things like that. Or you can flip it open and use it. You know, like when you do a card deck and you pull a card, you can use it like that and you can just choose the tool and decide, right, I'm going to implement that today and I'm going to feel better because of it. So that's a solid little book that got dubbed the Bible for happiness. (laughs) The next one takes the journey a little bit deeper and it's looking at, This book is when you feel okay and you want to feel good or you want to feel great. The next book is what do you actually do on days when you don't feel good? Because positive psychology is not about being happy all of the time. We honor and we recognize all emotion is valid. And we do have hard days, especially coming through the pandemic. You realize how isolated we were. And mental health is now a mainstream topic, which I'm so grateful for. So it really takes it that next level deeper and looks at how can we find hope in the darkest of days. And then the third one is going to be a positive psychology guide for success in business. Nice. So good. I love the work you're doing in the world. This has been such a good conversation. For those people who want to dig deeper into your world and follow you, connect with you, grab your book, what's the best place? Um, for? And I know you've got your own podcast as well. Could you point the listeners to some good places for them to start to get to know you a bit better? Yeah, and I'm excited to have you on the show as well. So they'll have to look out for that one. So I love hanging <laughs> out, so good. right? More accents for you. Yes. <laughs> I love hanging out on Instagram. That's the, the place that I love to connect most, voice notes, DMs. Um, I also have the Unstoppable Success podcast and then the Positive Psychology Coach certification as well. So yeah, they're, they're the best places. And I, I'm like you, Colin. I love love a conversation, love a chat, love getting to know people because I feel like having really good relationships is actually the real richness in life. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you guys know, her name is spelled N-I-Y-C <laughs> for Nick. Um, so if you go onto Instagram, search up Nick Pigeon. Pigeon it's like N-I-Y. <laughs> Pigeon like the bird. There yeah. we go. Uh, Nick, this has been one of my favorite podcasts I've had on the, on the expert edge. Um, probably because I get to, got to do a visualization myself and I'm sure all the listeners, hopefully, um, I, I, I always, I always find that when people do activities during podcasts, like, you know, you're middle, you're doing stuff and then it's like, they go into the activity and you don't know what to do. You're like, do I stop and do this activity now or do I listen? And I reckon there's a ton of people who actually stopped, mm. who actually did the activity. And I trust that that has already started to make a great impact on you. And I know you just, you know, you're going to love more and more of Nick's work. Uh, at the end of your life, Nick, when you get to the end of your life, imagine it is the end of your life and your life has turned out exactly the way 
that you've wanted it to. Imagine there's people around talking about you and talking about the impact you've had on their life. It's your friends, it's your family, it's your clients, it's people who have been important to you. What would be your hope that they would whisper about Nick Pigeon? It's making me emotional. That I was able to create a difference and to help millions and even a billion people live with more positive mental health in their lives so that people understood through my work and through my mission and through my life that they're stronger than they think and that you can get through hard times, not just to bounce back, but to really, truly live and thrive. And do you know what's really funny, Colin? This is also a positive psychology intervention. It's <laughs> and it's what I'm doing for you right now. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. That is so funny. And amazing. I mean, you're already absolutely on mission for that, Nick. So um, it's inevitable. Uh, you're already doing it. And I just love, love seeing that work in the world. So thanks for coming on The Expert Edge, Nick. It's been a pleasure having this first conversation. I'm sure there's more to come. And so uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.